Hi, this is the Rocket Recovery, and this is Angie Meadows, and we're so happy to have you today. And I have my co-host with me. Billy Roble. Hi. This is Billy. And today we're going to be sharing the fourth lesson on Rocket Recovery Overcoming Torment. And we'll be telling you how to put that armor back on. Because in our last lesson, uh, the armor came off. And this time we want the armor back on. All right, you want to kick us off on how to unravel offenses? Sure, so unraveling offenses lesson four, uh, armor of God starts and it's the truth, uh, the breastplate, uh, the shoes of peace, faith, helmet of salvation, sword, the fruit of the spirit, and the introduction is whenever we refuse an offense, we can enjoy the fruit of the spirit. And the opposite is true. Whenever we indulge in an offense, we will not enjoy the fruit of the spirit. <laughs> yeah. In that lesson three, we talked about how we dismantled every part of the armor of God. And there we were tormented. So we want to make sure that we are intentionally walking in the fruit of the spirit and walking in with our armor on. So putting the armor, the whole armor of God on is developing maturity skills rooted in the faith of God. And Romans 13, two says the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. So we want to be able to walk in the light. We want to be able to figure out what that light is. And that light is that armor of God and that fruit of the spirit. So you want to do number two? Sure. The secret to letting the truth set you free is to continue in his word. John 8, 32. And then you will know the truth and the truth will free. That's right. So 831 says. And I love the, you know, continue. Yeah, that 831, the verse before that is the secret to being set free, which is my disciples will continue in my word. So there's this continuance that we need to be steadfast, faithful, day in and day out, walking with the Lord. So number three. First, cover the transgression in love by not repeating it with an offended spirit. Once we have established ourselves in love and continued in God's word, we can spiritually discern if we should teach, correct, or rebuke in love. Proverbs 17, 9, he who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. 2 Timothy 3, 16 says, all scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Hmm. Talk about that for a minute. I mean, covering the transgression in love, that's, that's a choice. And, and, and initially, we're going to want to cover it with hatred and, uh, and we're going to get back at you. And I mean, that's as far as an addict, we, we think, well, you caused me pain. I'm going to cause you pain in return. Yep. But we don't repeat with an offended spirit. And I think God only makes that possible up in myself. I think sometimes I have my initial reaction is hurt and pain. When I'm offended, but because I'm growing in a relationship with the Lord, because I'm trying to live in his will, I'm learning, I'm reading scripture, I'm, I'm trying to continue this every day, I'm constantly surrendering myself to him. When I'm living in a relationship with God and I'm offended, now the offense, it's as if it kind of goes through my relationship with the Lord. There's like, it has to come through that. As long as it comes through that bond in 
hatred or in wanting to cause somebody else damage or wanting to repeat it. And really then I'm just doing the same thing. I'm returning evil for evil. Ooh. And um, yeah. God makes that possible. He definitely can make that possible. So one of the things we've been talking about is how to recognize when you're taking an offense. Cause a lot of times, Billy, I just think I take an offense and it'll be, it'll be all day before I realize I'm offended. <laughs> I can just kind of take an offense and keep moving. And then the next day I'll hear it come out of my mouth that I'm irritated at this person or at this thing that happened. And then I'm like, Whoa, I took an offense. So what we have to do is listen very carefully because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So as I'm listening to my words, I can tell whether or not I'm better. So number four, I can't have anxiety and the shoes of peace at the same time. Any anxiety needs to be met with thanksgiving and also with trust. So whenever I feel anxious, I know I'm not trusting God. So Philippians four, six, and seven says, do not be anxious about ever, anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. So I know there was times when my loved one was, um, was going to prison. Uh, you know, he was going to jail. He was um, being arrested again, or he was being held accountable. And I had a choice. Do I be anxious or do I be grateful? And, and at first, when these things were happening, I was always very, very anxious. And then later I was like, no, I'm gonna be grateful. I'm gonna be grateful that uh, it's slowing him down. He's gonna have another day to make a choice, a different choice. And as I was grateful, there wasn't any anxiety. The anxiety would just disappear. Oh, absolutely. And the anxiety does disappear. It's we're choosing which, which energy to live in. For me, I, I tend to feel it right away when I'm getting um, like that. And I, I feel my, my tension start to boil up. And I need to, really, I need to go to God with prayer. That's it. I need to, and that's what I've been doing. Lately, I've been praying for my enemies. You hear that a lot. You know, you know you're starting to change when you start praying for people that harm you. Or when you feel an offense, instead of re returning an offense, yeah. you, you begin praying for that person. That but God extends yeah. grace to that person that, they realize their need for God. I mean, it's incredible how it begins to change. But isn't that what Jesus did? God forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He sure did. Yeah. And Stephen did that yeah. too while he was being stoned. God forgive them. They, they don't know what they're doing. And so a lot of times I think people are, like you've said before, people are hurting us because they're wounded. And I think if we can just forgive them and show them a different path, then it's more likely that they'll follow that path seeing our peace and their desire to have that peace i think they'll start following us if we can just show them the way if we can be that light in that their darkness then they're going to be like oh wait a minute that looks like a much better path than the one i'm on i just said it, it might take a few times i mean if somebody keeps offending me and i keep responding in a healthy mature way that's when they'll start to see like oh wait a minute this is like the fourth or fifth time I've, I've done something and they're not responding to me the same way they did in the past what is different about this person that's where the gospel comes alive where they begin to see a change in us that they desire that's right because that's, right, that's total opposite of the way they want to they want to respond <laughs> so number sure. number five uh faith strengthens one another and exhorts others to continue in faith through tribulation so that the kingdom of god can come into our hearts 
uh, ponder that thought. Acts 14.22, strengthen, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And, and I'm, I think that those hardships uh, give us, gives us opportunity to choose faith over anxiety, to choose a soft answer over being angry or being offended. I mean, it's, it's, it's always a choice and it's difficult. So I have to constantly be choosing, you know, hardships for me, as far as coming from an addictive personality, addictive side, I want to run from those. That's why I use drugs and alcohol because I don't want to feel hardships. I run from that stuff. But when I go through that and I choose God and I choose faith, really, I realize that whatever around me is shifting and constantly changing. Hardships are going to come in and out of my, my life, life, life on life's terms. We, it's going to constantly be happening around me. Um, and if I'm focused on the waves, then I'm going to constantly be tossed around. If I'm focusing on Christ and his word, which doesn't change, uh, which I can cling to him and during any moment of any day, I can take the thought captive. Does this align with what God says about me? Does this align with something I should be putting into me? And, and if it doesn't align with those things, I can push it out. Um, does it take practice? Absolutely. But the more that I live in the spirit, the more I, I'm drawn towards the spirit, the more I want the things of God, the more I live in them. Um, and honestly, hardship pushes me to God. I, I think, boy, if everything's easy, I'll never follow God. I didn't come to God because things were easy. I came because there was a serious need in my life. And, and hardships, now I look at those, and not right away all the time, it's still a learning process, but hardships now, because I can't fix them myself, mm -hmm. I'm self-control, I want to, you know, fix them and do all what I can do, and um, when I realize that I can't fix something, that's when I trust God, and I realize that he's much bigger than any problem I face, or any hardship, or any offense, that somebody, especially the, an offense, you know, God is bigger than all of that, I, I can live above all of those things. Well, and then when I'm carrying something really heavy that's causing me a lot of anxiety, I'm like, if I can just pause for a moment and stop and think, now that's heavy and your yoke is easy, your burden is light. So that must not be mine. That's got to be yours. <laughs> and once I just lay that down, it seems like I right. get healthier and I get stronger and my thoughts change. And then I'm able to start praying for them. I'm start able to pray through this circumstance and I'm able to look with the eyes of God to see what it is in me that he wants to weed out, what it is in me that he wants to strengthen or encourage or make stronger. So number six, the helmet to combat anxiety is the hope of salvation. First Thessalonians 5, 8. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Being sober means to have self-control, control over my thoughts, actions, and words. So that self-control doesn't come easy. That's something I have to look at every day, at the end of every day. Where did I lose self-control? And what, did, what can I do to go back and repent? And because that going back and repenting is so humbling that the next day I'm going to remember it because that if I spew, I got to go back and repent. <laughs> and that, I want to do that. And that's going to make me think, oh, that's really hard. That, that's really humbling. I'm doing I, that. I'll just keep my mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, so that, that, being, <laughs> that's great. that being sober is self-control. That's what the Bible calls self-control is sober. And then it, it says he wants us to have a sound mind, a sober mind. 
and that's sober in our thinking, which means mm -hmm. we have self-control over our thoughts. And that takes practice. That takes um, really staying in the word of God and thinking his thoughts and not my thoughts. Yeah. Discipline. Yeah. Yeah. And not easy. And the only way I learn it is by being put in situations where I have to practice it. That's as right. an addict, as somebody who wants, I'm not, as somebody, I try to get away from situations like that because I want to do what I want to do and how I want to do it. And I want everything on my terms. So that's the total opposite of self-control. You know, if something feels good, I can't even stop myself. I need more of that. Um, we are really self-will run riot. I mean, we are self-control the opposite. And um, this is really something that the people fighting addiction really need desperately ability to stop as you said to breathe to think about this to play the tape through as we say yes and, and i think a lack of self-control it harms all of our relationships it's uh actually what we're doing absolutely is acting out in a selfish manner thinking more of ourself and what we need than thinking of the person in front of us and what they need so a lot of um mm -hmm. Self-control mm -hmm. is going to come when I can put myself in that person's shoes and reach out to what right. they need. And now it's, I'm not so self-absorbed because I know a lot of times when I'm wounded, I'm very self-absorbed. Oh yeah. So I start, totally. I have, yeah. So I have to start working through that wound and, and lining up my counselors and my mentors and my prayer partners and, and really getting into the word and giving that wound to the Lord so that it's not clinging to me because otherwise I speak out of that wound. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things you, that the change that happens when you work through it, cause it isn't like we're not wounded. We do get wounded and we do have to work through it. We're not saying, Hey, don't pay attention to it. Hey, let's pretend that doesn't exist. That's not reality. God does work us through the wound. But when we realize that it's safe with him and we're safe with him and that no matter what's going on, I know we, I keep coming back to that, but my wound and no matter what I'm facing or what I'm going through or what I'm feeling is safe in his hands, not in my own. That's where I really begin to see the light. And that takes, uh, that takes some uh, practice. That takes believing even when I don't see it. There you go. That takes setting my affections on things above and not on things of this world, trusting in his word and not in my emotions. Mm -hmm. Does that make Amen sense? That. God's word says it. I believe yes, totally. it may not be manifested in my life yet, but he said it. So I believe it. I'm going to walk in those promises. And as I do that, then I start walking in maturity. I start walking in truth and in faith and in love and in trust. Mm -hmm. And I start growing and I start changing and I start becoming different. Yep. And it doesn't always feel good. <laughs> Not it doesn't person. always feel good during the process because I feel like we're constantly fighting against it because we're, we're so self-absorbed. We're fighting against it because we think we know we try to keep our, ourselves safe. That's we're trying to protect ourselves when we realize that we're, we're not good protectors of ourselves. God really is the ultimate protector. Yeah, what he showed me this past week is that if I enlarge my heart, if I allow him to make my heart larger, I'm not like the Grinch with this little teeny heart that can't love. I'm like, I have a big heart. And so when people are wounding me, I can get into their pain and love them right where they're at. Yeah, right. But I can't do that if my heart's small. 
So number seven, the sword is associated with trusting in God's word and his faithful promises. The word will cut, help cut us cut to the root of the problem. Hebrews 4, 12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So if I'm struggling, if I can settle myself down, get into his word, and, eat, and I don't have to do a lot of it, and I don't have to move very fast, and I can just I can just open my Bible. I know this, this isn't always recommended, but it works a lot of times. I can just open my Bible, at, particularly to the Psalms, and get one verse, and it'll break yeah. every stronghold that's in my thinking at that moment. Yep, absolutely. So you want to go to number eight? Yep, walking in the fruit of the Spirit is walking with the Holy Spirit. It is crucifying the flesh and our own will and desires. It is cooperating with Christ to allow him to shape us and mold us into his image by intentionally putting on the new man. Colossians 3, 9 through 10. Take off your old self, put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. I love that. Absolutely love that. And, and it's strong language, crucifying our flesh over our own will and desires. My life has been driven by my desires, by my wants. And, and, and really, God is asking me to lay down my life every day. I love it in Luke chapter nine. It says that I must take up my cross daily, not just one time, not just when I come to faith or when I go to rehab or whatever, I lay it down, I surrender. No, it's a constant surrender. Every day I must take up my cross and follow him. And by doing that, God makes us a new person. We're created new and, and I need to stay close to him to do that. So let's look at the exercise. What would it look like to never be offended? And I know that there's times when I've been offended and I can't have a relationship with the person I'm offended with. So what I have to do is deal with my offense so that I can continue with the relationship. And a lot of times the offense has nothing to do with me. It has to do with the fact that they're in pain, that they've had a bad day, that you know somebody offended them at work. It doesn't have anything to do with me. So if I cannot take an offense and just step back out of it so that everything's not about me, but I can just lay it out there and see what's really going on. All of a sudden, I start getting spiritually healthy. And now I can choose to walk in the fruit of the spirit. I can say, now, how would it, what would it look like to love them while they're struggling? And then what would it look like to continue to have joy? Because we're commanded to have joy, whether we're um, in trials and tribulations and persecutions and afflictions and whatever struggles are going on, we're commanded to have joy. It's not a suggestion. And the peace, the peace is only going to come as we're grateful and as we're trusting the Lord. And then there's that patience. What do you think the secret to patience is, Billy? Trusting the process. You know, when I know that the outcome is going to be good, when God approves himself, which God does over and over, I think when you draw near to him, he draws near to us. When you do that, then you're willing to go through the long suffering because you know that God is going to respond. God gives good gifts. He's a good gift giver. Um, he doesn't give bad gifts. And when you realize that through faith, through repeated trials and tribulations and you trust God, you, you can be patient. Yes. So I think sometimes when I'm struggling, uh, if I just hit my knees 
if I just get out of my bed in the morning and I just hit my knees and I'm just saying, Lord, here I am. I, I'm still struggling with this. I know I went to bed with something if I wake up uh, with it. You know, if I went to bed with the uh, mm -hmm. praise on my lips, I'm going to wake up with a scripture. I'm going to wake up with a song in my heart. But if I went to bed with my troubles, I went to bed with an idol in my heart. And that's what I, how I'm going to wake up. So if I wake up like that, I know it's very important for me that morning to hit my knees and to say, God, help me to walk out this walk of faith. Help me to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. And then I can start walking in kindness. What would it look like to be kind and to forbear with this person and to walk, what would it look like to do good to them what would i want them to do for me and then there's this faithfulness that is the opposite of my wrestling um there's a there's a trusting in the lord so when i'm anxious i'm not trusting when i'm anxious i'm i've taken it onto myself right to try to fix it so once i can just lay down that anxiety and say lord i don't know what you're doing here but i trust you all of a sudden answers come that i wouldn't have thought of before and then there's this meekness and gentleness that's the very opposite of the way i feel and so a lot of times if there's uh the bible says pride uh contentions come through pride in, in proverbs so if there's contention coming out of me and I'm snippy and fussy and wanting to argue and contentious, then I need to be repenting for my pride. I need to be looking for that because the Holy Spirit resists pride and, and he draws, he gives grace to the humble. So I, I think that unless I'm humbling myself, I'm going to be walking in my pride. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's humility is, <laughs> it's a, it's a requirement and God and Jesus walked in humility. Um, and then when I learned to walk in humility, I learned to not take, take an offense. That's the truth. That's because true. Because those things seem yeah. to, I, I look at people differently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely look at people differently and situations differently. I'm not so selfish. Um, I'm not going to be anxious if I'm trying to think of how I can better serve somebody. When I'm yeah. trying to serve me is when I live in all those opposite traits. So when I'm looking at somebody that's contentious and angry, if I'm walking in humility, now I, I look at them as insecure and wounded and needing love right. and not me, not being about right. me and me needing to respond. Does that make right. sense? Because probably- It sure does. Yeah, probably what they're fussing about is is not not anything that's really hurting them. It's just a superficial thing that's coming out of all those wounds. I want you to look at the spiritual health. I want you to decide how much you walk in these, maybe uh, gauge them one to 10. How much do you walk in love? How much do you walk in joy and in peace? And decide how healthy you are and how much you want to pursue those. So you want to work on the principle, Billy? Walking in the fruit of the spirit is my responsibility. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, long-suffering, kindness gentleness goodness faithfulness meekness gentleness and self-control against such there is no law those who belong to christ jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires since we live by the spirit let us keep in step with the spirit galatians 5 22 through 25 so how do you think we keep in step with the spirit spending time with god yeah. being involved in a church 
working on a program, being involved in the steps, I say you, uh, you can't do enough. I, I don't. I think it's good to not get overwhelmed because a lot of my problems in recovery is choosing the better things over the good things. There's lots of good things I can be doing, but the best things, God's word, be soaking in it, worship, uh, praise. And that's how I keep in step so that when something comes in from, you know, those darts fly in from whatever angle or I pick up the phone and it's a family member that, that says something wrong or an old friend of mine that comes back into my life. I'm walking in step with the spirit because I'm choosing to do that. I'm living in it. It's not, it's a practice. It's a daily practice. And when I'm doing that, I, that's when I'll be aware of something coming in that's trying to disrupt my walk with the Lord. If I'm not doing any of this, that's when that stuff just slides on in. I'm not prepared for it. I'm not looking for it. I'm not ready. But when I'm living in step with the spirit and deliberately spending time in his word every day, devotions, reading, journaling, speaking with others, discipleship, when I'm living, trying to live this out and really it fills more of my time than my old thoughts and my old head, that's when I'm more aware of what's going on around me. And I'm more aware of broken people, hurt people, hurt people. I always say that. And, and because I understand my own hurt, you know, God comforts us in our troubles so that we can be a comfort to those around us. That's right. When you begin to live in the light of the spirit. That's when, that's when the change occurs. So what you're talking about is being intentional. Yes. Yes. Cause this discipline. Yeah. This doesn't just, just happen and it doesn't happen because I feel like it. I'm not going to feel like walking in these, no. these fruits of the spirit. I'm going to have to intentionally choose love and choose joy and choose kindness in every circumstance in my life. That's an intentional thing that I need to do. And the more you do it, and this is for me, the more you do it, the easier it is. Right. I mean, when I first started out, this was difficult. Like, really, God, you really want me to do that? You really want me to go own my side of the street? That No, that person was wrong. I'm not, you know. But as God began to show me my own sinfulness, when I became aware of my own brokenness, my own heart, that's when I started to realize, oh, okay, this is about me and you, God. This isn't about me and that other person. That's you true. love that person just the same as you love me. And here I am. I'm trying to inflict pain or whatever I'm doing. God loves those people just the same as he loves me right. and desires a relationship with them as he desires a relationship with me. And when I begin to see that, when I come face to face with my own um, depravity in the face of God and the love of, and I realize he rescues me from that every day and he gives me the opportunity to walk in the new man. That's when I begin to walk in this and it gets easier because you see it work. And then you see God using your life in other people's lives. It's like, wow, it is hard to choose love. But when I do, God really uses it. I'm watching God change the lives around me. That's awesome. Well, and I think what I heard you say before we started recording was without the Holy Spirit, this isn't possible. Because it's kind of like with the disciples. No, it's not. Yeah, when they saw Jesus on the cross, they all fled. They all ran. They were all scared. They were all freaking out because they were walking beside Jesus. But after the upper room experience, now they were walking with Jesus in them. And with the power of the Holy Spirit in us, right. now we can walk this out. So if you're finding that Amen. this is 
absolutely impossible for you to do, that you just cannot do it, then I want you to start praying for the Holy Spirit to come and fill you up. Once you start giving your life to the Lord and saying, yeah. Lord, without your power, I can't do this. And to me, I think that, that surrender is the word there. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, read this conclusion. When my flesh is crucified, this means I subject my own will and desires to the will of God. I go against my immature emotions, and I stand on the solid rock foundation of Jesus Christ. I refuse to get into a sinking boat in a storm and be double-minded any longer. James 1.8, stop rolling over for the enemy and gear up. Prepare for battle. <laughs> the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Psalm 18.2. Lord Jesus, we just need you to awaken our spirits out of this slumber. Help us to watch and pray and be vigilant and seek you. Place upon us this armor of God. And when we have done everything that we know to do to be able to just stand. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking that shield of faith, wherewith you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And that's Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Okay, Billy, you got any final comments to wrap us up? I know a lot of people when they hear this is going to say, this is too difficult. And, and, it, and we get it's scared. I think of addicts were driven by a hundred forms of fear. That's what our material says. I think fear um, corrodes our entire life, but God is asking us to step out of the fear. And I guess my encouragement is just take one offense because it's going to happen next week or tomorrow or today. Take that one person or that one phone call or your roommate or whatever it is and try this. Ask God. Now this is stepping out. Ask God to present an opportunity for you to practice this. God, oh, we have opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then you know. <laughs> Not too bad, though. But, you know, we need somebody. And, and, and we begin to live this out and practice it and do it one time. Try to live in it. Will you make a mistake? Sure. For the first five minutes, you might make a mistake. But then 10 minutes later, you might realize where you made the mistake. It is progress. And it's a little steps at a time. And as you begin to walk, you begin to see that, hey, I can do this. This is possible. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes. God makes it possible. Yes. So this is the Rocker Recovery. This was lesson four.
on overcoming torment, unraveling offenses. And we just pray for you this week that you will be able to look at every offense that's coming at you, recognize it and choose to respond differently by walking in the spirit of a holy God that you might be able to uh, overcome the wound that would have been caused by this offense and be able to get on top of these things so that you can walk in love and joy and peace and all those things that are your inheritance in Jesus Christ. So we just thank you for listening. Uh, you can find me on YouTube under my name, Angie G. Meadows on Rocker Recovery Podcast. And if you want the PDFs to go with this lesson, it's on enablersjourney.com. And if you want the book, it's published on amazonbooks.com. And we will see you later. Bye, Billy. See you later. Bye.